Jeff Scott, college football playoff week, brother. All right, let's go. <laughs> oh, man. So I just thought it would be a good place to start, um, honestly, by talking about how the selection committee makes the selection to begin with, you know, just in terms of how they narrow the teams down for the top three and then start that process over again. So if you could review that real quick before we kind of dive into the teams, I think that would be helpful to some people. Yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, very unique, uh, this committee, um, you know, which, you know, people are, I guess, kind of chosen to be on the committee, invited to be on the committee. Um, you know, they they meet starting really uh, kind of the second half of the season. So they don't really, you know, meet at the beginning of the year. Um, it's right there, um, I believe, right around the, the end of uh, October, beginning of November is when they start meeting. And uh, one thing that I think is unique that a lot of people may not know is, you know, they they look at everything. I mean, they look at stats. I mean, they get in the weeds on, you know, all the different stats, offense, defense, special teams, um, you know, strategy, uh, style of offense, style of defense. Um, I think the committee is made up of um, you know, some administrators, uh, athletic directors, um, you know, and then also some some uh, guys that have formerly uh, coached in the past and can maybe give some insight there. And then some people that are really outside of the the, uh, you know, AD coaches role. Uh, so pretty, pretty unique. Um, I think, you know, this is the last year. So uh, the, the playoffs started in 2014. So this is the 10th season that they've had it. And this is the last year of the current setup with four teams. And, um, you know, starting next year, it'll go to 12 teams. And uh, all the drama that we had yesterday uh, will, will not really uh, exist, in my opinion, uh, when they go to 12 teams. Uh, you know, I mean, I know the individual teams and conferences, you know, make and argue for uh, who should be 12th to make the playoff. Uh, but that's a, a lot different argument than – you know, who should be in the top four. Um, so I think it'll definitely uh, help some of the issues uh, that they uh, experienced yesterday. Yeah, and that's, I don't think that, uh, that you know, conversation about who's 12 versus, right. you know, 13 is going to be nearly as compelling as the one we've been having. Do you, just, I mean, before we dive into all these teams, out of curiosity, do you think some of, I don't know, the gravitas, whatever you want to call it, I think, there's a certain suspense around who's going to get in, who's not going to get in. Um, I do think that the regular season games mean more when you're in a format like this. Do you think anything is going to be lost in college football by kind of going to this more, you know, 12 team format? Or do you think it's just going to be shifted to, I mean, it almost feels like to me, like we're going back to a bowl system again where the big bowl games matter again, as opposed to it being just like these one or two games that matter. Yeah. Well, I think overall I'm, uh, you know, I'm for the 12 team playoff uh, overall, but will we leave? As a ball coach. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine. <laughs> and, and just that, you know, I think a case could definitely be made for both Florida state and for Georgia that, you know, they could have a chance at least they have a good enough team and, to, to have, especially Georgia, um, you know, and so right. with it being limited to four, um, you know, there's not been uh, many years where I would say that the fifth or sixth team, but there's definitely been some, and, and this is one for sure. Um, now, uh, you know, I think the excitement of playoff football 
uh, with more teams involved. I think it definitely is going to add some excitement, but probably one negative, and we're already seeing that a little bit with a 14 playoff, and we're really going to see it with a 12 team playoff is uh, it's going to be very hard for the uh, bowls and for, for TV to, to uh, you know, keep the bowls outside of the 12 team playoff, you know, meaning anything. Uh, again, we're already seeing that with just a 14 playoff teams that don't make the, the playoff, you know, a lot of their players don't want to play. I mean, you're seeing right, kids get in the portal where teams still have bowl games. And uh, so I think that's going to be the the other side of the coin is, uh, you know, you're going to have a 12-team playoff and then you're going to have the NIT basically, which is all the other bowl games outside of that. And then the other almost, challenge. But don't you almost feel like that's kind of the way, like to me, the way I look at it is at least we're going to have six good games for that are all going to matter. Whereas right now it's like we have two and the rest of it's the NIT, oh, at least I, in terms of the way I look at yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. I'm, I'm for it. I'm just saying, yeah. the it's just not optimal. right. That is, yeah. is looking at all, all the, the history of the bowl games and all those things, you're going to lose something there. And then, um, you know, and again, we already have this a little bit with the 14 playoff, but you're definitely going to have it with a 12 team playoff. I mean, pretty much every power five school, you know, their AD and their, you know, administration and boosters are going to have a goal of making the 12 team playoff. And if you don't do that, they're going to, you know, switch out the coaches every two or three years. Right. And uh, again, there's many top schools that probably already have that as their uh, top goal. And maybe they're judged against like a Texas A&M, but I think even more schools are going to, you know, expect every year to get into that 12 team playoff. But <laughs> ultimately for the, for the fans and for the sport, I think it's going to be, you know, great. And I think, you know, it's not going to happen very often, but there's going to be one out of four or five years where that, you know, eighth team that gets in gets on a magical run and gets hot and, and potentially wins a national championship. And I think that is going to add something, you know, to the to the uh, playoff as well, which I think will be pretty unique. Yeah, I think that's that'll be compelling. So from a process standpoint, from what I understand, the, the committee's in a room, right? They narrow it down to six teams. They Out of those six, they, they go around, they pick their top three. And then once they get to their top three, they start the process again with the remaining three to get their number four. Is that correct? Yeah, and I think you're, you're hearing that a little bit maybe just from bits and pieces, but I don't, I don't think that they... Um, as far as I know, that's not the exact, you know, thing that they have to follow. Um, I think that's the recommendation that the, yes, recommendation of how they get there. Um, and, and again, a, a part of the mystique is that, you know, we don't get to look inside that, that uh, <laughs> you talk about, uh, you know, highest TV ratings in some of these games that have had very high TV ratings. If they would have had, you know, an hour of listening to the, playoff committee trying to decide between, you know, Alabama, you know, uh, Georgia and Florida State, uh, I think would have been very intriguing to be able to hear. So there's a little bit of mystique in that you don't really know. Uh, we, you know, ESPN gets to interview uh, the, the chairman of the committee every, you know, uh, every year. And so you can learn a little bit there, but really what's going on behind the scenes, I think there's a, you know, different ways that different years that they get to those, uh, final four spots. Yeah. Okay. So let's dive into the, to the teams to start off with, I guess, before we even go into the individual teams, do you think the committee got it right? 
Yeah, I do. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that, that disagree with that. I think uh, when you and I were talking about, you know, planning for this uh, podcast, you know, yesterday before the playoff teams were announced, uh, both you and I kind of text each other who our, our four teams are that we think, you know, are going to be in the playoff or that they're going to choose. And neither of us had Florida State in there. Right. Um, and, and I can understand. I mean, this is a <laughs> a very difficult situation for Florida State. I mean, they've been working towards this for the last, you know, seems like 20 years to, to get back to a national uh, championship, you know, caliber team. And uh, here they are, 13-0, and 0, and, um, you know, won the ACC. And this is the first time in the 10 years of the playoff, this is the first time that a undefeated Power 5 conference champion is left out of the playoffs. Um, so I can understand, uh, you know, how rare this is and how disappointed Florida State is. But honestly, uh, for people that are not looking through the, you know, uh, garnet and gold lens or the ACC lens. Uh, I'm honestly a little surprised at how many national people, um, you know, believe the committee was wrong uh, choosing Alabama over Florida State. Um, but the reality is, I mean, this was like a, uh, you know, 2% chance that all these things could line up and, and hurt Florida State the way they did. Uh, number one, right, their starting quarterback gets hurt. Uh, number two, the two games after uh, their, you know, Jordan Travis was hurt, they have two games and the, the backup quarterbacks because, you know, uh, Tate Rottlemaker uh, played against Florida and then, uh, you know, Brock played uh, in this, Brock Glenn played, um, you know, in this last game against Louisville. But I believe combined, uh, they were, I mean, it was like, Combined for 42.5% completion percentage. Uh, there were 20 of 47 combined in those two games. 42.5% completion percentage, 189 total passing yards, and, and no touchdowns, right, against two teams that uh, I think um, Florida was, you know, somewhere, uh, you know, ranked like uh, maybe uh, 55th yeah, maybe in passing in yards allowed. and. Louisville was like 35th. So these weren't like the, the top two teams in the country. So not only did the quarterback get hurt, their backups come in and it's a drastic drop off. And then you have a scenario where Alabama, who's again, has one of the strongest reputations of success in the playoff, you know, over in the playoff era over the last 10 years, you know, that they have one loss, right. Who happens to be to a playoff team in Texas and, uh, they beat the number one team in the country. I mean, I think that's a lot of people uh, aren't even talking about is Alabama had the best win out of all the teams. They beat the number one team in the country on the most important weekend for the college football playoffs, which is literally the day before they make their final selections for the four teams, right? Yeah, because, I mean, agreed. The, the committee's sitting there, right, when they talk about who are the best four teams, they're watching all the conference championship games. They watch the the, the Florida State Louisville game very closely, and uh, and again, I'm a I'm an ACC guy. I have you know former uh, you know uh, relationships with my dad coaching at Florida State, and obviously Clemson's my my uh, favorite school there with my history going to school there and coaching there. But you know I, I love Florida State, um, but watching that Florida State Louisville game, I mean it, it was hard to watch. I mean it, it really was, and um, and so you have. 
the other quarterbacks come in not play well. You've got, you know, Alabama goes and beats Georgia, the number one team in the country, who, by the way, is on a 29-game <laughs> winning streak. Two consecutive national championships. Yeah, two consecutive yeah, national that's, championships. That's not a nothing win in the SEC yeah. championship. And with all that being said, most years the Big 12 and the Pac-12 would not have a playoff caliber team, you know, ready. And right. So all those things lined up, and I think it's really that, like, 1% to 2% chance that all because all of that could have happened and then you know the Pac 12 not have a, a playoff team like like has happened the majority of the years and Florida State would be in. Um, so I, I understand how hard it is for them and and really just uh you, you feel bad for them because they've worked extremely hard to get to that point. Um, but if you truly kind of took off any biases, it's hard to to think that an Alabama team with with Milrow is not better than, you know, a Florida State team with uh, their backup quarterback. And that's ultimately uh, what I think the uh, committee uh, made their decision on. Yeah, I agree with you. I was watching that Louisville game actually in my head thinking, even if they win, which they, they were most likely going to, I don't know how the committee puts them in. I think from the for the Nash, some of the national people that have really been, you know, upset about this decision or, or kind of, you know, behind Florida State in terms of they thought they should have been in. I think a lot of that kind of goes back to the historical context of the, the way the committee has chosen people in the past and the record weighing in. There was lots of years where we said, you know, they put somebody in because of their record and the other team with one loss was probably better. That team should have been in. So I think I think they made the right decision. I completely agree with you. I don't I think they for, you know, for better or for worse in terms of what other people think, they did sit down and say, what are the four best football teams going into the playoff right now? And that's who should be going in, right, is the teams that have the best chance to win, the four best football teams. And I think one of the other things that – I don't think it's the biggest thing, but I think one of the other things that hurt Florida State is, you know, the ACC is a conference without Clemson being a powerhouse this year. That Clemson win, I think if Clemson had been – you know, an 11-win football team, and uh, and Florida State had beat them too, it would have been harder not to put them in. But with Clemson having an average year, um, I think that was just one more strike on top of the fact that they lose Jordan Travis. They haven't performed very well the last two games. And I completely agree with you. I think right now Alabama's, if not one of, might be the best football team going into this. So Because I've got some questions about the other ones too. But So with that being said, what did you think about the decision to put Michigan one versus Washington, two undefeated teams? What were your thoughts about those two things? Obviously, Michigan was ranked ahead, but I, I, I didn't think it was a four. I obviously it was probably going to be, you know, just move them on up. But do you think that was the right decision? Yeah, I mean that 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 is what would be unique to kind of listen to what the committee talks about between those two. I mean, honestly, I haven't followed <laughs> those teams close enough to really be able. I mean, in my in my mind, and I know where we were at Clemson, uh, whenever we were going to the playoffs, you know, each year, it really didn't matter to us if you were one, two, three, or four. It was just, just like wanted to get, get in. in. So, yeah. uh, honestly, as I watched it, I mean, I think they could have had it, you know, the other way. And I don't think, you know, obviously, it would change maybe the matchup of who they're playing. But they're, you know, typically each year, there's not a huge difference between who's number three or who's number four. Um, but, you know, I, I think uh, to me, just in what I've watched, 
Uh, I mean, Michigan has been dominant, right? And I mean, they, they've been dominant in a lot of games. Now the question is, you know, some of the uh, you know teams that they played in the conference and exactly how good they are. Um, but, you know, I think you could have, you know, put Washington one, Michigan two, and I think people could have made a strong argument. So honestly, I didn't, you know, it, that didn't bother me either way, how that worked out, uh, because, you know, the, the most important thing is to make the playoff and then, you know, you're going to have a chance to to be able to go figure out who's the best, you know, and winning the next two games. But, um, you know, honestly, I, I haven't followed it close enough to be able to decipher uh, between who should be number one or two uh, in that uh, setup. So what about the – the because um, I, I had kind of told you that I was back and forth between does Georgia get in or Texas get in. Um, and so – what were your thoughts on Texas versus Georgia getting in? Both yeah. both one loss. Uh, Texas's loss was in the middle of the season. Um, I believe it was Oklahoma State. Was Oklahoma. that right? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then obviously Georgia's loss right there at the end at the, in the SEC championship game against my, who might be the best football team in the country right now. What did you think about – and I know – just from an optic standpoint, it would have been very difficult, I think, for the committee to put two one-loss teams in from the SEC and overlook, you know, the Big 12 champion. So, if you take that out of the out of the equation, do you think they put, they put the best football team yeah. in Texas versus Georgia? Uh, to me, again, I think that was going into it. That was, in my opinion, the biggest question. You know, where everybody else was thinking Florida State, Alabama. Me too. In my opinion, I thought it was Texas, Georgia was the, the biggest question. And that's it where was, I was vacillating. Yeah. If you when we were texting yeah. each other, you you gave uh, me the top four exactly the way they put it in. And I said, I'm vacillating between Georgia and Texas. Right. So I think, you know, people talk about this whole uh the the four most deserving teams, you know, to be in and the the four best teams and which one is it. And you hear a lot of times they talk about, you know, the best four teams. But in my opinion, I think it's a combination. They're looking at a combination of both of those, right? Uh, they have said that if you win your conference and you're a conference champion, like that is important to them. Like they factor that in, right? Yeah, and it's so in the equation. I, I think that was definitely a, a factor in that. Um, so I think, I think them choosing Texas over Georgia, you know, really shows that this is a combination of – deserving yes they won their conference all right and uh and they're also very talented i mean when you watch them again they've had you know one loss to an oklahoma team but uh i mean offensively they've been you know very explosive in what they're doing i think personally that they would have a hard time putting uh, you know leaving texas out and putting alabama in when texas you know beat alabama by 10 at alabama earlier this year and so, you know, I think for Alabama to get in, they needed Texas to be in, if that mm. makes sense. Um, yeah. But I think the argument could definitely be made, you know, is Georgia, you know, a better team than than Texas? But I, I would say, like, that's so close that the conference championship for, Oakland, for um, Texas is what edged it out, right? So you would say, you know, best four – you could make arguments uh, between Georgia and, and uh, Texas as far as who's better, and I think that's pretty even. But the conference championship pushed Texas above. Now, people would say, okay, well, you got to look at the same thing with Florida State, right? 
So you're saying, okay, Florida State and Alabama, right? They both won their conference, right? But Alabama is the better team right now for where they are in the season right. uh, with Milrow. And then, you know, I think the other thing that's always been true when you're looking at the BCS or the playoff is it's better to lose early, right, and win late. Because ultimately, if we really get it down to the, the bare minimum and uh, try to figure it out, the college football playoff committee is trying to determine who are the best four teams at this stage of the season. That's ultimately what they're doing. Now, you can't be, you know, nine and three and lose your first three games and then be, you know, in that conversation because you're the best four. But when you meet these minimum requirements of, you know, only somewhere in that, you know, one loss to undefeated, you know, and there's that pool of maybe six teams, you know, it's, it's really who's playing the best at that time, you know. But I think them factoring in a conference championship, uh, you know, goes. But, I mean, going into last weekend, it's hard to – to think that uh, if you would have said before the the uh, SEC championship game started that uh, Georgia's going to lose by three and they're going to be out of the playoff, you know, I think a lot of people would have had trouble with that. Um, but, you know, as everything played out, um, you know, it's, it's hard getting one of those four spots. And so um, I think one thing that's pretty interesting that I think hurts the, the Florida State argument is, uh, you know, Florida State's, you know, Number one, it's really hard for them that they got left out of the playoff. Uh, but number two, they have to play Georgia. <laughs> you know, and uh, so for them to like show everybody that they should have been in the playoff, here they are playing probably one of the most talented, you know, two or three teams in the country. Uh, and you know, look again, the betting lines are not always a hundred percent accurate, but they're more accurate than not. And I think Georgia opened up as a fourteen point favorite over Florida State. Uh, so I think that speaks a little bit to, you know, and, you know, the decision on Florida State, where they are without their starting quarterback. But, um, you know, personally, if if uh, Texas's loss was to anybody other than Alabama or excuse me, if Texas uh, would not have beat Alabama at Alabama, right, mm-hmm. he win, then I think that, you know, there would have been more of a case uh, for, you know, Georgia to, to move in. <laughs> over them but yeah that would have been a a big uh you know an, another whole nother deal with you know two one loss sec teams getting in but honestly I, I think a lot of that's talked about as far as the the conferences and all that and again i'm a, an acc guy you know with my dad coaching at florida state for so many years coaching at clemson me playing and coaching at clemson i mean i, I love the acc and and you know want to be partial to them uh but at the end of the day i do not think the the conference the uh People in that room of the college football playoff committee, I don't think that they're um, trying to make decisions solely based on a conference. Now, does it factor in the strength of schedule and who they're playing each week and all that? Yes. But I, I really think their goal is to come up with the, the best four teams uh, to enter the playoff. Yeah. Well, when you look at strength of schedule, I mean, let's see. I got this here in front of me. Uh, strength of schedule, Alabama's strength of schedule was fourth, excuse me, fifth. Florida State's was 55th. Um, strength of, um, let's see, oh, strength of ra- of record, meaning the teams they beat, Alabama was fourth, Florida State was third. Um, Georgia was 37th strength of schedule and seventh in strength of record. Uh, but I agree with you. I think at the end of the day, um, 
I think they put the right teams in. Um, I do think that that Georgia Florida State game is probably going to settle that argument because I would be very very surprised if Florida State was able to win that football game. Um, and I I think the odds makers, though they're wrong sometimes, are usually pretty close to being right on a lot of these things. Um, l- let me ask you this question. This is just complete conjecture, so you cannot conjecture if you choose yeah. not to. But let's say exact same scenario, but Clemson's there instead of florida state with the tradition that clemson has same situation quarterback gets hurt does clemson get in yeah that, that's a that's a great question um because you know i do think that going to the other side of it i do think the fact that it was alabama right who had one loss and, and beat georgia i think that matters and brands yeah because if that's old miss yeah that's right yeah, yeah that's old, old miss or kentucky i don't i don't know that they get oh, the exact same treatment right. there um but yeah that that's a good question um i think here's the other thing i think it depends on how the backup quarterback so if we're in the clemson scenario right and mm-hmm. same scenario as florida state and the backup quarterback has to play the last two games i mean if they just do a, a good job you know they don't have to go be the game breaker uh, for florida state i mean if, if those guys would have gone in and, and been solid and uh you know similar to how other teams have had their quarterbacks, backup quarterbacks go in and do well, then I think it could be a different situation. Go but, beat Louisville 38 to 10 or something yeah, like that. But, you I mean, know, show literally, up the, the, yeah. yeah. But these these two guys, I mean, their their stats were really, really bad uh, in both of those games. And, and also, I mean, everybody's – it was hard to watch a little bit, right? Now, part of that is the new, you know, college uh, football environment that we're in with the transfer portal and all those things. I mean, most schools only have one quarterback and that's part of having that championship run. Like Florida state had all the ingredients, you know, to have that special season. But one of the most important ingredients is that, you know, your team stays healthy and, you know, you could make an argument uh, that the quarterback is the most important, um, not just position right on the field, obviously, but even more important than the head coach. I think that's unique, right? If you look at Michigan uh, playing six games this year, you know, without uh, Harbaugh, right, and they didn't miss a beat. And then, you know, you take the starting quarterback out on a team like Florida State, and it was noticeably a, a different, uh, you know, offense and different team. Uh, yeah, but, look, yeah, that, that, that's play, a good have, question. On, have, on Michigan, have Michigan keep Harbaugh. For six yeah. games, but play those same six games without JJ McCarthy. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a that's that's a very valid uh, question. But yeah, to answer your deal on Clemson, I, to to me, it would have depended on how's the backup quarterback. If the backup quarterback's forty two percent and, and uh, one hundred and eighty yards and no touchdowns, then and Alabama did what they did, then I, I could see them doing the exact same thing. But uh, I do agree there. There's definitely some uh, brand equity, if you will. And I, I think we saw that a little bit with the Alabama situation and, and Alabama, I mean, they, they play well at the end of the year, right? I mean, Alabama very legitimately could win the national championship this year. And based off what happened there in the iron bowl in the last second, you know, it just feels like it's a little bit of a, a team of destiny. So I, I would not be surprised at all if Alabama wins the whole thing. Um, and that would be you know pretty interesting to go back and look at what, what happened you know, these last two weeks uh, leading up to that for them to get into the playoff. 
Yeah, I think I would agree with your answer. I think if Florida State, either one of those backup quarterbacks had really turned things on and they had scored, you know, 35, 40 points a game, both games, um, it would have been much harder to not put them in. So looking forward to where we are now with a Michigan-Alabama matchup, a Washington-Texas matchup, let's just take a quick look at those two games and get your initial thoughts on let's talk Michigan-Alabama first. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to find out about Michigan if this year's Michigan team is different uh, from the, the previous uh, you know, Michigan teams the last few years, right? They have a great regular season, dominate everybody in their conference, and then get to the playoff, and they're, they're one and done, and they're out. Um, you know, just watching some games this year, uh, I mean, this Michigan team, um, you know, I, it's hard to argue that they're not the best team in the country. And uh, we're going to find out right on the competition, right out the right out right out the gate versus Alabama. I mean, these are obviously two of the you know most uh, historic programs in all of college football. Uh, I think they're you know two of the the best uh, coaches uh, in our our uh, current environment in Harbaugh and and Coach Saban. And uh, you know both teams very physical. Uh, I mean, this this is going to be a, a slugfest uh, type of game uh, with the physicality. Uh, at the line of scrimmage. And then also, I mean, they, they got skill guys on both sides. Uh, I think this is going to be an incredible game. And again, that's that kind of goes back to what we were talking about, the right teams being chosen. Um, you know, this, this I, th- I think uh, Michigan opened as a, a two-point favorite uh, at this point right now, you know, a month out. Um, but, um, you know, the biggest question is going to be, is, you know, Michigan for real this year, or is this a similar situation where they're just the best team in their conference, uh, but not quite uh, elite uh, versus some of the other uh, national elite teams. Yeah. I think my biggest question with Michigan is kind of the same thing that, that we've seen with them in the playoffs recently is they're able to go through the big 10 and pretty much impose their will on everybody in the running game. And then they can pick and choose when they throw it and they don't get pushed into long yardage situations very frequently. And then if you compare that to last year where their entire running game got shut down and they forced them to pass, forced them to throw the ball to win, they were unable to do it. And obviously, I mean, Nick Saban's one of the best football coaches, you know, that's ever been around, you know, that's what's going to happen, right? They're going to, they're going to try to take away the running game and say, beat us throwing the football. So the real question is in my mind, can Michigan do that? Because that's, that's what I think you're going to see. And so you're going to you're going to get a lot put on J.J. McCarthy, who I think is a really talented quarterback, but he has less than 25 starts under his belt. I mean, he started the last two years, done very, very well. Um, but, you know, their passing game is built off of the majority of it's built off of play action, off of some kind of backfield action, whether it's motion, something like that. Um, and it's, it's all, it's built off the running game. Very rarely do you see them get into four wides, five wides, spread the field, you know, try to really stretch you hard vertically. It's usually off of some kind of backfield action. So, you know, when you really put eight, nine guys up in the box, are you going to, is JJ McCarthy going to be able to beat you? That's, that's how I look at it. No, I I agree with that. I think that's a good uh, assessment. And then the other thing I would say is, you know, two very talented uh, defenses and talented teams all the way around. But Milrow is kind of that different, you know, that wild card, if you will. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, I mean, he he makes plays when plays aren't there. I mean, obviously, we can see how well he runs and and creates plays that when things break down. And again, when you're playing a really good defense that has a good pass rush, and all of a sudden, you know, they think they have a sack, and now it turns into a a 28 yard gain because the guy's just super athletic. So we know how athletic he is, but then to be able to see some of the throws that he does make, and I, I think you know one of the best. Uh, coaching jobs or just overall improvement in the season is from where Milroe was at the beginning of the year right. and literally being benched uh, for the South Florida game to, to now where he is. And I mean, that throw that he made on the last play of the iron bowl, that Insane, was insane, right? That yeah, was a, that, that was a, I wasn't just a throw it up in the air. No, that was an amazing that, throw. That, that literally, I mean, you're like putting a, a trash can right there and saying, you got to throw it perfectly. Yeah. You know, in that situation, that that showed his, uh, you know, arm strength and also uh, just his overall, you know, the it factor, if you will, being in that situation. So I I can see uh, him being potentially being the difference in the game. You know, you're literally talking about a, a one score game and uh, he, he's different uh, than than J.J. McCarthy uh, for sure in, in some of those areas. Yeah. So what about Texas and Washington? I To be honest with you, I have not seen Washington play a whole lot just because of the schedule. I did go back and, you know, watch the key plays from some of their primary games. But what are your thoughts on that one? Well, you know, being a, a former wide receiver guy, uh, that's definitely one matchup of of uh, two of the best wide receiver cores in the country. I mean, Washington is uh, very explosive. Um, you know, I've been impressed with their physicality watching some of their games this year which maybe when you just kind of hear Penix and the, and the wideouts, you just assume that, you know, they're just kind of a, a pass-happy team. But uh, they've been really physical running the football, but very explosive in the passing game. And when I go back to kind of my experience and being at Clemson and, and all those playoff games and two national championships, I mean, you got to be able to score uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, having Deshaun Watson and then Trevor Lawrence to go with all those uh, freaks we had at wideout, I mean, that, that's one of the recipes that it does take along with a great defense and an overall, you know, uh, team, those type of things. But to me, the thing that stands out here is both of these teams can score. Uh, they got, you know, quarterbacks that are playing very well. They got really good uh, playmakers at receiver. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a fun uh, kind of shootout. I think both of these games are going to be a little bit different. I think Michigan, Alabama is going to be more of your old school kind of traditional uh, lower, low, lower score game because of the defenses and, and uh, offenses, you know, that, again, can score but not set up this way. I think Washington, Texas, I think there's going to be a lot of fireworks in that game uh, with two explosive uh, quarterbacks and, and, and uh, passing games. But one thing that I think also is going to be interesting is, you know, neither Washington or Texas uh, have been in, you know, this situation very much at all. I believe this is Texas's first year uh, in the playoff and uh, probably Washington's uh, maybe as well. So, you know, that, that's a whole different stage uh, and who's kind of prepared uh, for that moment because uh, it is – I mean, it, it feels a lot different than a, a regular bowl game when you know that, hey, the winner of this game is going to earn a, a berth to the national championship game. You know, wa watching how those quarterbacks and, and those teams handle that second half of that game I think will be uh, really interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I looked at – and I'm, I looked at uh, Texas. I think the – I think they only scored below 30 points twice the entire season. And I think Washington is the same way. I don't know what their actual point per game average, but 
you've got two really explosive offensive teams. Um, so, and, and there are a little bit different, right? Penix, uh, can do a lot more with his legs, but he's still, you know, he's not just a guy who runs. He's, he's a good right. quarterback. Whereas yours is, you know, more of a, a, you know, drop back pocket type of guy, but he's got a lot of, a lot of weapons, you know, on the outside along with that tight end they've got. So it, I, I'm, that's a game that I, yeah, I know the, the, the Alabama Michigan game is going to get tons of hype because they're two you know, powerhouses and, and national traditions. But I think that Texas-Washington game is going to be a really, really fun game to watch. Yeah, no, I agree. And again, it goes back to what we talked about, you know, at the very beginning of this podcast and really what was talked about all day yesterday. And we're talking about how good these matchups are, right? And, and I think that proves that the playoff committee got it right. I mean, if we're, if we're inserting Florida State in any one of these you know, it's hard for us to to make a case that Florida State's going to score a bunch of points and and have a yeah, chance exactly. to win the game. So I, I think you know when you really get down to looking at these matchups, I think it it really you know kind of proves that the the committee got it right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey man, I appreciate you jumping on here with me, uh, kind of last minute Monday morning, but I was uh, eager to talk to you about this. I know that there's a lot of people that'll be looking forward to hearing your insights. So I'm going to make sure we get this thing up quickly so people can tune into this one but uh thanks for your time this morning jeff absolutely sounds good let's do it again yeah brother bye-bye